to the Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we don't focus on all the new shiny, shiny things for you to buy. Instead, we're here to talk about the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and a happier relationship with electronics. And our community uh, repair events here in London that we call Restart Parties are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter, co-founder of the Restart Project, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Ugo Volaudi. Hello. And here uh, today we're going to talk about uh, backups. Ouch. Yeah, I don't know if your stomach drops when I say that word. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about backups and the cloud. Um, and when I say the cloud, I'm not talking about the smog that was over London this morning. Um, it was there. It was. In fact, I could only uh, see the top of the shard, not the middle section of the shard. Um, but we're talking about um, a cloud that's actually related to that smog cloud in some small way which is the online services uh, that we use, that we depend on now, um, that are distributed and that have become called the cloud. And last week, Greenpeace released its now annual Clicking Clean report, uh, grading major companies on the sources of energy powering their data centers and online services. And um, this report is really important because it can help us use cleaner and better services and pressure companies that are lagging. And we'll delve into the results of that report in a moment. But I think first we want to talk a little bit about the notion of the cloud and the kind of semantic aspects of it. So I went and did a little bit of uh, research. And, you know, obviously companies have been providing online services and storage in a distributed manner for decades. Um, but what I, when I went to Google Trends, I noticed a massive uptick in the use of the phrase the cloud in about December 2010. And I believe that has to do with when a number of like uh, larger companies started providing major cloud computing services. Um, yeah, that's probably the time when people started to use things like Dropbox and the likes as early adopters and more people understanding that they can save things remotely. Yeah, although I think that the that storage aspect came a little bit later and that the cloud computing, the phrase cloud computing, um, came around that time. So Wikipedia tells us that references to, quote, cloud computing in its modern sense appeared as early as 1996 in a compact internal document. But the popularization of the term uh, can be traced to 2006 when Amazon.com started introducing some cloud computing services. And I believe in December 2010 was when we had, um, when Rackspace and some other, by that point, Rackspace and some other companies had been doing that. So the growth of the use of the word cloud is tied to what is called virtualization and cloud computing. And frankly, the more I delved into the Wikipedia entry, the more I realized I was in over my head on that one. But what we, as Ugo mentioned, what we all know of the cloud is, is started with the popularization of some cloud storage services, right? Yeah. So the moment you stop thinking that everything needs to be saved on your hard drive or you start to think, well, maybe I just need to put it on this remote drive, maybe at, some, at times out of laziness and at times out of convenience. So. And then. Well, I mean, to also to think that Dropbox was only founded in 2007. 
Yeah. You know, that really it kind of puts it, brings it home that these are fairly new services, but we've come, we've become quite uh, connected to them and dependent on them quite quick. Yeah, and the more we, we look at how we spend our time online, obviously, it and the way we work, even us, the way we work, it's all about using places online where we store things and collaboratively access it at the same time. So there's been also a change in the way we perceive how these tools allow us to collaborate differently. So I think I'm I'm going I'm going on a limb here, but I, and I couldn't find any statistics on this in terms of the way the average person understands the word the cloud or the, the cloud. But I think most of us have some notion that it has to do with either an online service um, that we're that we're service slash application potentially or online storage. And most of the rest of the cloud discussion is a little bit kind of yeah in the clouds. in the clouds as it were. <laughs> Um, and w I guess what you and I have talked about this, but what most fascinates me about uh, semantically about the cloud is the way in which this word from, has, from the natural world has become part of our vocabulary. It's been pulled into this uh, technical realm. Um, and it, it strongly suggests dematerialization more than any other word that previously described virtual uh, virtual anything. So like cyberspace was just this bizarre term that it, it, yes, it was immaterial, but it didn't really, it, it didn't make it real. It didn't kind of, how can I say it? It, it didn't become natural for us. And I think the word cloud has almost achieved that. Yeah, this. I guess in between the two, I can think of Wi-Fi as the one that was the step towards that. And so the moment that you realize that you could be connected without having to be physically connected directly with whatever device. And now at this point, the next level is somehow the perception that all of this data is somewhere in the ether and you can just access it from anywhere. Okay, anytime. but again, the ether is a natural word. And I mean, yeah. Wi-Fi, God knows, but that that doesn't come from any you know, natural science or nature documentary or anything, sure. it doesn't evoke that for us. Whereas the cloud, it makes us kind of feel, uh, well, free and light and kind of it, it, it brings a different, um, a different connotation to this, uh, this technical stuff. Also, it's strong, as I said, strongly suggests dematerialization, that there's nothing there, that, um, that this is all kind of happening, um, Naturally, yeah, naturally, or that there's no weight or substance or physical manifestation of these uh, services, which is, you know, could not be more opposite. Um, and so, the cloud is a very seductive concept. Um, you know, when we, when we, when we Skype into classrooms a couple times that we did that, Ugo, do you remember that we started asking by asking students? They were about twelve years old. What is the internet? Yeah, and. And we, we were in front of a sort of silent initially classroom. We were trying to ask them, so where is the physical manifestation of the Internet in, in your life? And they couldn't really initially come up to terms. And when we pointed them to potentially the router that was somewhere up in, in towards the ceiling of their school, um, then the conversation unfolded. But it, yeah. It, well, when we first asked, we got stuff like, it's it's a satellite. It's a cloud. It's a that we got a lot of these kind of yeah these notion it's, that it's uh, 
immaterial and um, taken for granted to an extent so because it's just there right and while we have memories of it being very much not like that the moment we had to dial in the typical modem sounds and uh, all of the other things that were very much physical and intermittent I guess there's also this idea that it's just simply there and unless something extraordinary is happening as opposed to expecting it not to be there and maybe to be occasionally there which is the previous version of it yeah um and i guess well i've seen funny photos of like animals having gnawed through wires and actually people having to acknowledge that the internet of course is still very much a thing um so the 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 greenpeace uh report clicking clean is really good in the sense that it's a reminder precisely that the internet uh, still is a thing. Uh, in fact, it's growing massively as a, its thingness is growing by the year. Um, Greenpeace estimates that uh, the energy footprint of the IT sector is already estimated to consume approximately 7% of global electricity. And with an anticipated threefold increase in global internet traffic by 2020, the internet's energy footprint is expected to rise further, uh, just, fu fueled by our consumption of data and the spread of a digital age to more of the world's population. Now, just to put this in perspective, it means that already, and this is data from 2012, it, the IT sector as a whole has energy consumption higher than that of Russia. It's second only to China and the US uh, in terms of the overall energy consumption um, in terms of countries. So it is a big thing. Um, also, one, I, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, we, we noticed there was a lot of, I would say, it's not Greenpeace's fault. There was a lot of misreporting of this report in the sense that I saw headlines, you know, the, the, picking the companies that fared best in this analysis and saying that they were the greenest companies. Um, no, this is, this report is focusing purely on um, the, the 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 footprint of the cloud and the internet, um, and not the the physical the, the physical footprint of manufacturers. So we like to talk about the footprint of computers and phones. And so when we go in and look at how well Apple is doing, and they should be praised for their work to clean up um, their data centers, we need to remember that they have another footprint as well. Yeah, so for instance, I mean, Greenpeace does remind people that 34% um, of all of that IT uh, sector energy consumption is to do with devices, while all of the rest is to do with uh, all the infrastructure. But obviously, this report doesn't talk about the amount of energy and other resources involved with manufacturing all of that uh, set of products, which we know to be the vast majority of emissions. Yeah. And Greenpeace also cautions, um, it's really quite fascinating. So both Apple and Google listeners, you might be relieved to hear, are leading the way on renewable energy uh, in, in their operations, in their data centers and other places. And they've really actually set the bar high for other people. And that is excellent. Um, but Greenpeace does warn um, that 
this is I find really fascinating, the transition to the cloud could in fact increase demand for coal and other fossil fuels despite significant gains in energy efficiency and adoption of renewable energy because of dramatic growth in new data center construction by cloud and co-location companies such as Amazon Web Services and others in hotspots that have low percentages of renewable electricity. So this is something really to track um, and also to, to hold some of these other services companies to account that are f- lagging behind. Um, but, you know, I think I think it's an, impo- it's an important reminder, this report, that um, that um, when we're talking about when we're talking about these services the, the, uh, and the growth, we need to keep in mind how, like, what is the game plan? In other words, how are we going to let the services grow and maintain this commitment to renewables? Um, and it's something that I'm glad that they're doing year on year and keeping these companies to account. Yeah, and Greenpeace started tracking this in 2009, and at the time it seemed kind of very immaterial and very... different from what is now and one of the things that I found interesting is there's a clustering of services or data centers around Virginia in the United States which apparently has very little access to renewable energy anyway and so this massive increase poses a lot of questions on how the cloud could be making matters worse another interesting element is that for the first time they're starting to track Asian East Asian companies uh, which want to rise to world stage and uh, and we see that that for various reasons lack of access from monopolies uh, etc there is much less renewables available to them even when they want to make such claims yeah okay so we've we've potentially gone on a bit of a tangent about the cloud and the cleanliness of the cloud um, especially given that we tend to focus on the gadgets in your hot hands. You may be uh, wondering um, why we're talking about the cloud if, in fact, we tend to like to talk about what's immediately in front of us. Um, but I'll, I'll, we'll bring it home for you. Um, we think that a resilient relationship with data, and, and we're going to focus in on storage and data storage, is the first step to resilience with hardware itself. Um, so let's talk about some moments at restart parties, Ugo. How often have we had people come in completely panicked Um, with no backup and no experience using cloud storage, no external hard drive, no nothing. Basically, every single time, there is that moment where someone arrives with a laptop that has been water damaged and including the hard drive. So they realize little by little that there actually is no hope remaining and that there's not going to be an easy way unless they're prepared to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds to get their data back. And I feel for the people we see at these events because I have personal memories of the one time back in, I believe, 99 when the f- I had access to, for the first time to a laptop and when that failed and I literally lost, lost forever data and memories. So since then I tried to be better, although I'm not... do well consistently but there are ways that everyone can prevent some of this most tragic things from happening and um, I would say that uh, you know 
before we can, if someone is panicked about data, there's not much we can do to help them with their device. We need to take a long pause and figure that out. And we definitely we always tell people, in case you're wondering about data retrieval, we don't help with data retrieval at our events. Um, oftentimes it is a first step, though, and it'll make it impossible for us to help somebody immediately. Um, so we'll see people that um, have uh, mobiles that need a factory reset or a laptop that um, where we'll need to do some kind of reinstall and we need to perform a, a backup. And sometimes that can make repairs less viable in our three-hour events. You're listening to Restart Radio, and we're talking about the cloud and backups. <laughs> and if your stomach drops when I say the word backup, um, you're not alone. So we just we we did a web we did a poll uh, about backups on Twitter. It was a bit of a it's a bit of an experiment for us, um, and we wanted to hear from our followers. Um, and obviously, this is not a scientific poll. Um, how recently and how they're conducting. They're conducting backups. And to the credit, or perhaps because people, to the credit of our followers, or perhaps because people were afraid to, <laughs> to, to, to tell the truth, um, only 7% of people reported having absolutely no backup of their personal computer data, which, you know, is pretty good. Or only 7% dare to admit. Exactly. I think that might be more the case. This is out of 41 votes. So, um, And then it's really interesting to hear, actually, a couple of people told us that they they have a hard copy in, a hard, in an external drive and they use the cloud to complement. But in terms of the people who voted that they use a cloud service to back up, 24% um, um, of our followers said they use a cloud service. And the vast, uh, vast majority, 69% um, 60, report using an old-fashioned external drive to do it. Um, and 37%, so of those 69, 37% have a recent uh, backup, and 32% have a backup made a while ago, in scare quotes. <laughs> and um, do we both fit into that category, Ugo? Well, this time around, I could vote with confidence, having very recently backed up everything. However, Meaning in... like the morning of the show when no, you no, knew no. we were going to have to talk about backups? No, no, no. Okay. Just before Christmas, just, okay. uh, just to be safe. I don't think that's that recent. So for me, recent is like maybe two weeks. Well, this is three weeks. Fair enough. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but in the past, uh, I've done it in a very inconsistent way, which I certainly do not recommend. And I guess it comes down to how easy and um, what are the trade-offs when something is super easy in terms of the quality of the backup and the options you do have. Do you use some kind of, you're a PC user or slash Linux user, uh, do you use some kind of application that reminds you that helps you do that? So I'll admit, and I, I, I should do a bit more research, but I had like something pop up on my Ubuntu installation saying backup, backup. But then when I tried to do it, it seemed a bit complicated to me and it created a set of many, many files on a hard drive. So I ended up simply copying and pasting all of the folders oh my just to be safe, which are just three, four folders, audio, video, downloads and documents. It's not too bad, but. Okay. It's not the most comprehensive way. So 
Okay, well, I do regular uh, backups, although not as regular as I might like, and aided by, um, there you go, aided by Apple's um, time machine. So, I mean, that's yet another, we'll talk about this in a moment when we talk about mobiles, but there are issues in relation to usability of of, of different uh, platforms and backing them up. So I guess what I was curious about is um, the, this reluctance among our followers, are to, and but I think also, I don't think they're alone, um, in backing up to the cloud. Now, we had a couple of people comment to us about this um, in different ways. So... Um, people, some one person told us these are absolutely essential services. Uh, the cloud. Um, another person commented that uh, their ISP is very slow, and why would they be putting confidential stuff? Uh, with, you know, why would they be uploading it? Um, and then uh, Neil, who <laughs> will be joining us soon, our team says uh, he keeps uh, multiple remote copies. You can never trust any cloud service not to just vanish and lock you out. Um, and so I think there is a bit of an issue still with uh, trust of cloud storage. What would you say, Hugo? Well, there, is, there were projections that we looked at some months ago on the cloud evolving towards more the personal cloud in terms of hardware uh, going forward. Can you explain what that is, please? What that is is something that is a networked hard drive that you attach to your own internet at home and please forgive the, the way I'm describing this, and that allows you to have a backup that's very up-to-date locally in your house, but that's connected to the internet so that if you need to access it when Remotely. you're elsewhere, okay. you can. Yeah. So that would fix some of the concerns that some of the people that commented might have, and um, it also allows you to still have a physical copy wherever else and uh, something that's accessible uh, from multiple locations. Yeah, well, and, and it was interesting um, looking at uh, data about trust um, of cloud companies. And I, I went to this um, Edelman poll um, that was conducted a year ago. And the um, actually, the, the, the poll for this year has just come out. We don't have data on trust of tech companies or cloud companies. But... Interestingly, tech companies a year ago, this may have changed, um, enjoyed quite a bit of trust from people generally. Um, however, uh, trust in cloud companies was a bit lower. Um, only 51% of people trusted cloud companies to, quote, do what's right. Now, I suppose the respondents were allowed to decide what they meant by that, whether that means actually securing your data, um, you know, not allowing breaches of, of data yeah. who knows two steps of identification and what yeah. have you so so there does seem to still be a bit of a lag in terms of the way um the way people perceive uh, cloud companies um and i think actually so one of the thing one of the things though that's advanced many of the <laughs> reluctant people has been mobile and smartphones so let's talk a little bit about that we see lots of people at restart parties um with androids who are quite desperate and need help so there's two aspects to this one most people don't know how much of their mobile data is backed up if you ask anyone attending a restart party are your contacts backed up they wouldn't know unless they you offer them the option to log in their gmail and click on the contact tab and see if all their phone numbers and stuff are there. 
Some freak out the moment that they figure out that it's all in Google, but that's the only normal way and now for for backing it up yeah the i most mean convenient trying one. so yeah asking people do you have a hard copy of these photos of everything that's valuable to you on your android i i've never seen somebody confidently say go ahead you know wipe yeah. it clean do a factory reset you know where there's, i've never seen that there's been multiple cases where halfway through the process when we're just about to do the nuclear solution of completely delete everything people say oh okay okay okay. i'll do it once i get home and you hope that they'll actually go and back up those pictures etc and it's made much more complicated by how fragmented android is some devices have an, X, an sd micro sd card and so some backups are done there some others don't and yeah. there aren't automatic um, solutions like they do exist for the Apple ecosystem, for example. Okay, so you did look at a couple of apps that claim to just all-in-one help people back up all of their data in a very user-friendly way. And What's your conclusion? My conclusion is that we need more help to come up with something that we can all trust. I, I looked at some promising apps that were recommended by some websites, and yet then you go and check the ratings and there's lots of comments that it doesn't really work. It doesn't work with the latest version of Android and, and what have you. Yeah. So there there's something to be said about an easy solution that whenever you plug the cable of your phone into your computer, it would automatically allow you to back up easily I mean, isn't that one what, way. Yeah. Boom. Isn't that what Apple offers? I mean, it's... That is yeah. what Apple offers. There's two options that Apple offers. And one is the iCloud. So going back to the cloud, but through iTunes, you can also just simply create an offline full backup of your phone um, anytime you remember to do it or you're prompted to do it. And it's at least you know that it's all there. Now, the disadvantage compared to what I was saying is that you still can't just simply easily access a file there and you're forced to just reinstall everything on another phone if, in case you need to do that. Yeah, but from a usability perspective, I, I just think it's, well, it's night and day. Yeah. And interestingly, um, a Google survey last year found that 47% uh, of respondents most feared losing photos and videos more than anything else on their devices. And to be fair, um, it is fairly if you're willing to give them to google it's fairly easy to uh to back those up on the and, cloud and, and google actually if you don't care too much about the full quality you get unlimited infinite storage uh guaranteed so you can have it to back up anytime you're on wi-fi or what have you and now, some i of guess us don't. going full circle here and speaking of both of these companies I'm sure everyone has their criticisms, we do too. But in looking at the clicking clean uh, work by Greenpeace, both Google and Apple have, have made huge strides in cleaning up data centers and cleaning up their cloud services and made commitments to that. So I suppose from a green perspective, you can also, from, from a green perspective, at least all the other concerns aside, you can feel okay about using those cloud services. It works, which is yeah. a start. and. It's better than most others, so. 
Um, well, we were going to talk about uh, spare parts for a way too expensive Samsung washing machine, <laughs> but it looks like we've run out of time. Yeah. Um, we'll bring that up next week. Uh, we have some upcoming restart parties. Ugo, would you like to uh, yes. let uh, listeners know when they can fix their broken stuff? So we have two events coming up in London in the very near future. Uh, one is this evening at the Heath Street Baptist Church in Hampstead. It's literally two minutes from the tube. Yeah, from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. If you're planning to come, we just recommend that you come early because these events tend to be quite popular. And uh, uh, two more events coming up at the end of the month um, in Hackney and in Brentwood, just outside of London, both on the 28th of January. And you can find more information about both on our website, therestartproject.org. And you can find us on Twitter or Facebook to uh, hold us to account about what we said about the cloud and cloud companies or to correct us because we're not geek enough. <laughs> and if you have any suggestion on amazing backup software for Android phones, please share. So thanks to OptoNoise and Cassini Sound for our music, which was made with lasers, spinning plastic discs, and discard electronics. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Please back up. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do that. Now. <laughs> no, no. Now. <laughs>